Whether you're dreaming of a Disney vacation, an exotic cruise, or a tropical all-inclusive, Magical Adventures by Carrie is here to take care of your planning, reservations, dining, and more. Magical Adventures by Carrie can plan your trip around the world, and her services are completely free. You can book your trip with a small deposit and pay over time. Text, email, Facebook message, or you can even call her. <laughs> Magical Adventures by Carrie. That's C-A-R-R-I-E. She's planned solo trips just for me. She's planned trips with my family, with my husband and kids. And she's also planned huge extended family trips with 17 of us. She got all of us together at Disney and Universal this past year with zero hiccups. Find Magical Adventures by Carrie on Facebook or email her at MagicalAdventuresByCarrie.com. Welcome back, lady listeners. Hey, lady listeners. Thanks for being with us this week. We've got a brand new book from Leah Sherelle. It's called His Sweetness, The Honeymoon. So she has the book called His Sweetness out already. So this is that couple that you get to enjoy in kind of an extended epilogue. So you get to meet this couple, sort of figure out where they are in life, see what they're up to and in love. and then My guess is going to be because her stuff is kind of like over the top. Mm-hmm. really possessive they're probably just gonna have a jelly moment and all that kind of thing <laughs> where he's tracking her down that's my guess <laughs> yes like a big epic happily ever after so yeah. super excited to have her with us this week we've got great stuff to talk about in just a little bit but before then we're gonna catch up so what'd you read you told me you had something to talk about that you read oh no i, I read like, um, okay i want to know i read Jamie Schlosser. I always mm-hmm. think I say her name wrong. Schlosser. No, you got it. Schlosser. Okay. There you um, go. She had a new book out. Her, The Fae Warrior's Princess, which I read her Fae series. She's actually the only person's Fae series I read. I've never <laughs> been that into Fae books. It's just yeah. never been one of my, like, Fae's and witches. Mm-hmm. Never That's weird. Me. I don't really like witches either. And I don't really like Fae books. But I love Jamie Schlosser, so why wouldn't yeah, I read that Yeah, that's why book? I did read yeah. hers because, yeah. like I said, I love her contemporary stuff. I mean, she has a series called The Good Guys instead mm-hmm. of The Bad Boys. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I figured that some of those fluffy things that I love mm-hmm. would be pulled over in this in a magical sense. So then these men can be extra over the <laughs> Possessive. top. Possessive? Yes. <laughs> so the series is great. I love how it's not crazy world building but you mm-hmm. get the human world and pulled back into the fey world and these men finding their mates and all that this one was really good because the heroine is a princess and she's like she can control emotions like whatever she's feeling mm-hmm. other people can feel so she has oh, to control it so sometimes like when she ends up like all turned on and getting sexed on with her man. <laughs> like she comes out and everybody's like been a two day party been going on outside. <laughs> Cause everybody's like all like, Oh yeah. Orgy. But it was really cute because like this mate was different. Usually you don't find your mate till you're like over the age, age of consent in the Fey world is 21, not 18. Mm. But this guy came back. It was her father's best friend, came to see his baby. And he, like, looked down under her eyes. And instantly he was like, oh, fuck. 
Like oh the gosh. soul, whenever you find your mate, these souls align. Yeah. yeah. So, but if you, it wasn't necessarily like a sexual attraction then. It was just like, yeah. I'm connected to this person on a deep yeah. emotional level. Mm-hmm. So, and she remembers that and he leaves. Like he oh, flees wow. because they have like, once you meet your mate, you go into mate withdrawal. Mm-hmm. You can't be away from your mate. You can't, or you start to go and withdraw. You get upset or whatever. So he flees so that the mate bond doesn't get too strong. Yeah. Because they yeah. can't be together. Plus, it's his best friend's daughter. Oh, my God. But, but the great thing about Jamie's world is the human world is so you can run over to the human world because they live for thousands of years. Yeah. But the human world, time works differently. So uh-huh. a year can go by for them, and it's a day in the human world. Oh, okay. All right. So, so he, he only has to stay there for like the a hormones, month. The human portal, and he's really waiting days mm-hmm. to be able to go back to her. Oh wow! But she that. comes back. He's waiting for her to be twenty-one before he goes back. That's really fucking cool. That's smart. But she how comes she and tracks him down mm-hmm. when she turns eighteen. She comes back through the human portal and gives him hell. But it was yeah. really cute. That is cute. What's but I just the name like of it how again? she does that. That one well, is called The Fae Warrior's Princess. I'll link the whole series. Okay. Like, the first one, even the first one was, God, it was so good. Like, the little boy comes through, the hero comes through, and he meets this girl, and he can tell there's something, and he comes back. For him, it's every year he's waiting to come back, but she sees him, like, all the time, and as they grow up, he comes mm-hmm. and sees her in our backyard, like, every day, and he's blind because mm-hmm. he was cursed because to find his mate or whatever. He doesn't get to mm-hmm. lock eyes and find his mate, but he could tell something was with her. Yeah. And then she told him that she was like, this all in the very beginning of the first one in the series, that she was going mm-hmm. away to college, which would be like hundreds of years before he'd be able to see her again. So he grabs her and pulls her through his portal. Oh, my God. So she can't leave. <laughs> Wow. So she can't go to college. Sorry. Yeah. And there's this really cute because <laughs> she's not pretty. Oh, okay. Like in the human world, she's not uh-huh. pretty. And she's scared when he gets a sight that because when he if he mates his um his mate mm-hmm. he will get his sight back but he can't oh, ever okay. share love feelings with anybody else or he'll be forever blind oh, so if he like okay. makes love to somebody else and it's not his mate he'll be forever blind so this is the perfect man then that yeah can't so this he'll be, be forever life? blind but she doesn't <laughs> want to mate with him because she's like I'm not your mate because he keeps trying to kiss her and be mm-hmm. with her and he's like I don't care. If you are or not, I'll be blind forever. I don't care. Oh, how is that? It's really cute. It's a cute, cute push and pull. Well, she's pulling away and he's pulling her right back. Yeah. Well, you know, and we talked about this before we started recording. I said, you know, I hadn't, I don't think I've ever read another Fae book besides the Akatar series. And I, I even said, I think when we recorded about it, if someone would have told me it was Fae, I probably wouldn't have read it. Yeah. It just wasn't something that was on my radar. But hearing you talk about these books, like, I'm so intrigued right now. Oh, so you know what? Now that I said this, I just remembered. So these are longer books, which are all in KU. I think oh, some of them that. do have audios. But she wrote, like, which is a brilliant idea because these are long-winded books for mm-hmm. people that are may not want to do face. So she wrote these long books, and she wrote the parents' books. So we're getting the kids' books, right? Mm-hmm. She went and wrote a novella, a novella for the mm-hmm. parents' And it's like a hundred pages and it's in Kindle Unlimited too. So it gives you a glimpse of their world mm-hmm. so you can see if you're interested in it. 
So oh, I will that's link a good that idea. Too. So you will get to meet like the heroes and heroines of the books in the series, their parents. Mm-hmm. So you I can like read that. their cute book, which is cute. He like comes and starts a war <laughs> to claim her. So you can get a taste of it to see what if oh okay, let me jump mm-hmm. into these bigger books to see if you're into the face. So I'll link That's all really that smart. and I'll point out which one is the shorter one for you guys to test. Because if you want to try it. I love that. That's awesome. Those are good recommendations. It sounds like you had an excellent reading weekend. <laughs> what about you? Did you read anything again? I did. I finished um uh Soulmates by Jen Frederick. It's a uh, soulmates as in Seoul, Korea, S-E-O-U-L mates. I read the first book last year when it came out and I had to wait until this new one came out because apparently being friends with the author does not get you shit. So <laughs> I had to wait until release day. But I will say the first book is um, it was it ended in a huge cliffhanger. And at the time when I read it, I didn't realize it. And I was reading, and I was like, um, no. where's the rest of this book? And she's like, I gotta write it. And I was like, what the fuck? So, um, so yeah, it, it the second book, Soulmates, um, it picks up right where the other one left off. And it goes through. And I will say, I think the first one, and why am I, like, blanking on this? Okay, so the first book in the series is called Heart and Soul, S-E-O-U-L. In the second book, like I said, is Soulmates. So in the first book, I think when I read it on the podcast, we talked about it. It is very emotional. And, but it's such a beautiful story. It's about, um, I, Hara, H-A-R-A is how, I, the, um, audiobook, the woman that pronounces it, she, I, I believe she's Korean American, but she says it, um, like Hara is how she says it. So that's her name, the heroine. She is Korean adoptee. So she was raised in America, in Iowa, but she was born in Korea. So in the first book, Hara goes back to um, find her birth parents, basically is what she wants to do and see, you know, where she's from. And so the journey that she goes on is like really moving and beautiful about someone who is like, a fish out of water, like trying to figure out where they belong. She even said, I think at one point she said, I felt like I was wearing a polka dot dress in a sea of stripes. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, she tries, she wants to figure out where do I belong? And so she feels like she doesn't belong in America because she's Korean and she doesn't belong in Korea because she's too American. And so on this journey, she meets a man named Eugene and they fall in love and it is such a beautiful story the way that they fall in love and the way he loves her and accepts her just without hesitation like he is the perfect book hero because he's just so just so caring and graceful and and adoring and whatever she needs he's there to do and so I love that he's like this steady rock for her while she's sort of navigating everything that's happening So where the first book is very emotional and a beautiful, you know, journey, the second book is like, it's where she really blossoms into herself Mm -hmm. and she becomes more like she, I feel like she became stronger. Um, There's like a lot of sex in it. (laughs) You know, there was like all these great moments where it was like, yes, like she's, taking it on she's taking ownership of herself and her life she says in korea like their symbol of strength is the dragon and she wants to keep reminding herself be the dragon be the dragon and so like yeah i love it it was it's just such a beautiful story and 
you can tell, you know, that Jen wrote it. She's a Korean adoptee. So, you know, she wrote this based on a lot of her own experiences, I'm sure. And the way she transplants you to Korea, the sights, the smells, the sounds, the food. Oh, my God. The fucking food in this I'm book. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I was so fucking hungry the whole time I read this book that when I finished, we had a ramen bar set up. Like, when this was over, we really did. We went to the, we spent an hour in the Asian grocery market, my daughter and I, and we came back with, like, these huge bags of everything. I was like, we're making ramen tonight, guys. One time I went to Jen's house and I spent the night and she made me watch videos on food that they put in the vending machines there. <laughs> yeah. Like, they put whole it. cakes. Yep. In the vending machine. <laughs> she was talking, like, there's, like, a food truck thing where they do these fried pork balls. And I was like, God damn it. Where are these? I need them. But apparently I had to go to Korea to get them. Yeah. But, yeah, but it, it was it was a really beautiful story. It was, you know, it's really, like I said, really emotional. Great. But if you're just looking to get something that's, like, you know, there's still, like, sexy romance in it. There's still descriptive sex that happens. It's definitely open door. But, like. It's just, there was so much more. This story has such great substance. So I think, yeah, the way you describe it, it makes me think that it's like in the first book, you really get to fall in love with the heroine in her mm-hmm. journey and who she is, and you get to identify it and cheer for her. In mm-hmm. the second part, you really get to find, see her blossom, find her mm-hmm. love, go yeah. on with life, and mm-hmm. how life is going to be now as this person as she's discovered herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And finding it's- people that accept her the way she was mm-hmm. or is. It's- and even me as, you know, a, a white woman that has no connection to Asia whatsoever, like, you know, I don't have any connection to the culture. I felt so connected to Hada, like, while I was reading this story. Like, I felt like she was, like, my sister, my best friend. Like, you know, like, I felt like I was her at moments, you know, because there's, you know, everyone can identify with feeling like you're left out or feeling like you don't belong or feeling like you walk into a room and nobody wants you to be there. You know, everyone can understand that feeling of loneliness. And so I feel like that's why I had such a great connection with the book, not only because I know Jen and, you know, her, some of her life and stuff that was, I felt like was in the book, you know, a lot of her was, but like I said, I could see myself in this, which I think is a really moving part of this book. So yeah, I finished that and it was like, once that was done, I was like, oh my God, like I just need to sit on this for a minute. <laughs> well, when you started describing it, it made me remember, and we talked about it for a second before, um, the Want You book. The yeah, Jane Want Rock, you. Where um, the first yeah. part of the book is the hero and the heroine is kids mm-hmm. and you really fall in love with them and it's not till the second part of the book that you get mm-hmm. their more, their love story. So at That's first exactly you see them right. as Finn and growing yeah. up and becoming who they are and then the second part was like, their fall to love and being together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a great way to put it because I actually um, pulled out Want You the other day because I had to pull out a bunch of paperbacks for a TikTok I made. I mean, no big deal. But um, <laughs> I had to pull out a bunch of paperbacks. And when I did, Want You was on there. Like, I have a whole section that's just Jen Frederickson books. And I was like, oh, my God, I love this book so much. Maybe Want I should you, read I it. know. When we started talking about it a second ago, I was like, I need to reread that. <sighs> Want You is another Jen Frederick book about a guy who's like 17 or 18 who finds like a four-year-old girl mm-hmm. like abandoned and he takes her back and he's like a hitman kind yeah. of kid 
and he raises her and then starts making money and ends up sending her off to boarding school because he's mm-hmm. in does bad things because yeah, he's he like does. she doesn't he wants to protect her like she doesn't need to be yeah. around this yeah but she ends up falling when she gets older falling in love with him mm-hmm. and, and he's just, like this I'll is link that too that one's at Kendall Unlimited and it's got an audiobook so I'll put that in mm-hmm. for you guys too well that that's was, the one we were talking about that's like the first half is that and then the second half is that is yeah that that's what I'm saying okay yeah. she does a very good job of making you mm-hmm. even with that control series remember that yeah she taking really control makes you lose, fall oh my for those heroines I'm telling you right now, those always go on sale. The audios are always on sale, and she'll post up when they do, and I always share it. Losing control and taking control. That duet knocked me on my fucking yeah. ass. And the great thing about oh this, I know you guys hear it's two books, but it doesn't, that one doesn't end in a cliffhanger. It ends yeah. in a happy in the now. You know that couple is together. They're yeah. strong, and he is obsessed with her. But the second mm-hmm. book, you just get more of their story. Yeah. And it's not it's boring. So it doesn't mm-hmm. drag. God, those are so good. But that's what so Jim Frederick is so good about getting you to identify with the female and mm-hmm. making you fall in love with her. Yeah. And then cheering for her to mm-hmm. get everything you feel like she should deserve. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's a real talent, too, for an author to make you feel, even to put, an author to put a reader in a situation where they would never be in that situation, but to make them feel like I could, I would feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's, that's really telling. So I just, I enjoyed that so much. So I read that this weekend and then I went to Barnes and Noble twice because I was looking for a paperback of it and neither one of my Barnes and Nobles had it. So I ended up buying a couple other books while I was there because you can't go and not buy something. <laughs> so I bought, um, hold on, let's see if I have it. Yeah, I do. I bought um, the second book in the uh, Brown Sisters trilogy by Talia Hibbert, um, Take a Hint, Danny Brown. Mm-hmm. So I I've love got those this. Covers. Yes, they're so fun too. Mm-hmm. But um, I read the first book. It was one of my favorite books last year. It is just... You know, I think it's like a, it may be classified as like a rom-com, but I never saw it as necessarily like a comedy. It was just, the heroine was quirky and fun and ridiculous a little bit at times. It was just over the top for me. That's why I loved it. So I got that. And then um, I love KM Jackson. She is so fun on Twitter or on um, Instagram. She's so fun on there. I love seeing her. And so she wrote a book on how to marry Keanu Reeves in 90 days. And so I was like, I've, I've been seeing it everywhere since it released. And I was like, that title alone, it yeah. got me. I was like, and I love her. I was like, I'm just going to read it. I got to get this. So I saw it sitting out on the table and I was just like, okay, you're, I did that TikTok thing where it's like, you're coming home with me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you too, we talked a little bit before we started recording, but tell me how you feel about the reboot of Sex in the City. Have you watched it? No, I haven't watched it because I think me and you talked about how we were mm-hmm. kind of mad at how it started. Yes. Mm-hmm. That we were, Killing Big was an easy ploy mm-hmm. as a writer. It's yeah. just way too easy of a thing <laughs> yeah. to do. You mm-hmm. know, writing a story where two people are together is possible. I mean, there's tons of shows that have it done it. It is possible, but it's harder. King of Queens. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's shows out there where these couples are together, but it's just easier for them to kill him off. And then the and be friend, like, oh, look how sad she is. Let's write about sad Carrie. That Kim Control didn't want to come back, but the reason that they had Kim Control, see, she's the one that should have just died. 
Yeah. <laughs> She's the one that should have died. But I've heard like because I don't mixed believe stuff her about running the off like that. Yeah, and you know I've heard like mixed stuff about this season too about some of the stuff that's happening. And this is a spoiler, so if you don't want to hear it, fast forward like two minutes. I want to talk about the spoiler actually, and I would actually okay. maybe like people to explain something to me because I haven't watched it. Okay, so I saw that Miranda wants to leave Steve again. And she, spoiler, 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 yes. she cheats with a woman. Okay, all right, so that's what I saw too. So it pissed me off no end because I'm like, you have been dragging this good man through the mud but don't for forget, decades. He for cheated on her. For fucking decades. He yes. cheated on her. He did, but she was also like... I mean, I get it. Like, I kind of understood his cheating. And I don't, I don't justify it. But I also feel like after that, they both agreed to move forward together. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just and saying, so you can't get like, to use that as an excuse. I'm saying, yeah. I'm just saying, she, he did it too. So I feel like, yeah. should there not be a little bit of a Yeah, I pass? feel like there should be a little bit. But she's also asking to leave. But you yeah, know, at the same time, it looks yeah. like the difference between Steve and her, and I will give this. Steve mm-hmm. fucked a woman in a back room. Mm-hmm. Horny. Yeah. Miranda is clearly, and I'm not even watching, having an emotional affair. Yeah. And sleeping yeah. with this person. Two yeah. totally different things. Uh, Which, so I kind of get. again, like, I can understand a one-time indiscretion, a mistake. I get that. But falling in love with somebody, that's fucking cold, man. It's cold. <sighs> but here, though, anyway. listen to this. Mm-hmm. So I watch, uh, I've talked about Sister Wives, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, so five years ago, one of the wives, the first wife, got catfish. She fell in love with somebody online who was giving her attention, saying everything she needed, was so good to her. It ended up being a catfish, right? Yeah. He, after this, the husband, like, doesn't have sex with her, doesn't, he's, like, emotionally unplugged from this relationship. Now it's five years later, current time. Mm -hmm. We're doing this tell-all or whatever, and he's, like... The person's like, well, you have emotionally abandoned some of these wives. And he, like, loses his mind. But this is when it comes out that he hasn't slept with that wife for 10 years. Oh, my God. And they're still married? Yeah. He's got, like, four wives. Yeah. So I'm like, to me, in that moment, like, I was like, I did a complete 180. And I was like, it's your fault she was catfished. I 100%. You emotionally abandoned your wife. She's lonely. You left her out there. For somebody to come and prey on her, what do you think's going to happen when somebody came in and gave her attention and told her yeah, everything she wanted to She's going to latch on to it because she's not getting it from you. Yeah. I was like, that's your fault. And you saying now you're mad that she cheated is bullshit. You left 10 years ago. Yeah. So, so you under- incident- do you understand the Facebook groups now that hate him? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, at first when I first started watching, but at yeah. first I was like, holy fuck. Because one of the wives uh, didn't leave, but. Yeah. So it could be like that. Sometimes cheating can be, I don't know. Like, I don't blame her for that one. I'm like. Yeah. It can be explained. Yeah. Sometimes it's not just a selfless act. Sometimes it's based on hurt and rejection. But speaking of catfishing, so I was talking to somebody about this who watches the show. And there's Mm -hmm. a reporter. She told me that did a thing on catfishing. So she got into a relationship with somebody. And she's like, this is why people fall for catfish. She's like, it is when I say something to this person, she's like, they respond like this. There's yes. no wait. She's like, it. they are on it, on it, on it, mm-hmm. on it, on it. And then she's like, three weeks in, I ended up was like, I need to tell you something. I'm really um, a woman. 
or something like that. She switched it around. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, immediately the cat first question was like, well, you know, I've never been with a woman before, but I have these feelings for you still. She's like, she just pivoted. Yeah. Like immediately. Yeah. And then she was like, and then she was like, I really need $50. And she's like, I, I debated really sending it to her. Cause I'm like, this $50 could mean a lot to her. It doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> this She's is like, the reporter. Yeah, even the reporter's oh like, I, I really debated pro- sending the her the fifty dollars. Got pulled in. Yeah, Holy she's like, shit. she's like, I thought, okay, maybe she really needs this fifty dollars. Because you know, it's I'm just fifty dollars. Yeah, that like, connection God, no is so hard. No wonder there's so many catfishes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you say, especially if you're feeling lost or abandoned, and someone is immediately responding and giving you the thing that you're missing most, which is attention. You know, constantly. Ah, uh, but then there's narcissists who need constant attention. Yeah. So, mm, or they feel like withholding it makes them better. I don't know. So, um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was: Have you watched Encanto on Disney? Have you seen the, I don't know if you watched it, it's a cart, it's like um animated movie. It is so fucking good because, so it's about this family that um has this magical house and everyone, when it's like your big day, I don't, I don't remember what the exact age is, you get to go up to a door and when you touch the door, it turns magical and you get your special power. You get a special gift. So um, the whole family lives in this. The abuela, the grandmother, and then the the two sisters, and they have a brother. And then they all have um, their kids. All of them live together in this big house together as a family. And everyone has a special gift except the granddaughter. She goes up. When it's her day, she goes up and touches the doorknob, and the magic goes away. It disappears. And so it's about like this normal girl in this gifted family Mm -hmm. and how this happens and how she sort of um, helps heal their, their broken cracks. So it is beautiful. It sounds like it would be beautiful. Oh my God. It is so beautiful. So one of the songs is, and I'm going to tell you some of the lyrics in it because I pulled them up. So there's um a, the oldest sister is her name's Louisa Louisa and um she has a song and the first time I heard it I could not speak I was crying so hard damn it's because it's so like it hit me in the teeth I felt like someone had kicked me in the face when I heard this song because it's about like being an older sister or being the sister that carries that burden of everyone else and it is just like i'm telling you so this is the um these are some of the lyrics in it and it's called uh surface pressure is the name of it and she says um hold on just a second let me pull it up um give it to your sister it doesn't hurt and see if she can handle every family burden watch as she buckles and bends but never breaks no mistakes If the same pressure, oh wait, give it to your sister and never wonder if the same pressure would have pulled you under. Who am I if I don't have what it takes? No cracks, no breaks, no mistakes, no pressure. And it is like 
Uh, it's so good because as she's doing this, her gift is strength. Mm -hmm. And so she's able to pick up like bridges and houses and everything else and move them around. And everybody's like, Louisa, do this, Louisa, do this. And she's just running around and she's, and she's physically trying to carry all this. But at the same time, she feels heavy because of all of the family is relying on her to do this one thing because this is her gift and she has to do it. And if she doesn't do it, she lets them down. Yeah. But if she doesn't have this gift, who is she? Yeah. Where does she fit without this? Does anyone need her without this gift? What does she mean without this responsibility to hold these burdens? Yeah. And it's like the layers of this are just so profound and beautiful, but like, watching it as a, an older sister or a sibling that like feels like maybe they've had to hold things or that, you know, where you felt like in your family, you've had to help and do this. And, and it's just really, really fitting for that sort of scenario. So, um, so in it, you know, when she finishes her song, her sister, um, gives her a hug and she said, I think you're carrying too much. It's just like, it's so sweet, but, um, like it, it's done by amazing people and like the cast is awesome. So I would just, you know, if you haven't watched it, you should, it's really good, but there's a song in it called, we don't talk about Bruno. And it is, it is the, it, I think it's gotten more streams than Frozen's Let It Go uh-huh. is what they said. Like it's, I think it's, I think it's almost tied with their highest selling song ever with Disney with the Lion King, like Can You Feel the Love, the Elton uh-huh. John song. I think it may be tied with that right now Damn. for the streams and downloads for how, how many times this song is. It is so fucking catchy. They don't talk about Bruno, who is uh, the brother that's kind of like missing. And so they do like this really cool like song and dance on it. And it's just, I actually played it. I went to the kid to pick up the kids today in the like pickup line. And so they called him out and say so the teacher opened the door and I turned around the back seat. I was like, girls, guess what? And I hit play and it said, we don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> and so they start like just laughing their butts off. And then we sang it the whole way home. So yeah, it's super great if you if you have it. It's just there's so many beautiful family dynamics in that that if you're a part of a big family or anything with siblings or stuff like like you will identify with someone in this movie. So it's really good. All right. Now that we've done that, <laughs> let's talk about Leah Sherrell and his sweetness, The Honeymoon. I'm going to read you the book bio for this one. The only priority in Deck Johnson's life was to get a wedding ring on Charlie's finger and make her his in every way possible. Having her in his bed and his baby in her belly wasn't enough. He needed complete and total ownership of his pretty blonde ballet dancer. Only that can calm the storming, raging deep in, storm raging deep inside of him. With a developing drama brewing at the Wounded Souls compound, the rogue soldier who was wreaking havoc on the women, Dak had only one thing on his mind, to give his sweetness his last name and keep her until the end of time. So you can find Leah on Amazon. She's got tons of MC books. Yeah, they're all, this series has like, six or seven or whatever but this is going to be a great taste for you guys to be able to see if you might be interested in this series like i said Mm -hmm. her motorcycle books are as gritty as a lot of other ones but their heroes are a little bit more loyal and you know Mm -hmm. it's the wounded soul series like there's just there's tons of those 
And so, like Mel said, this is a great taste if you want to go in and dive through and pick them all, you know, go through them and check them out. So, definitely do that. Um, I'll read you also her her author bio so you can have that. Um, Leah Sherell loves the idea of being in love since her early teens when she first discovered silhouette desire novels. Oh, yes. I remember those. Her life has been all about reading. She would find herself rewriting scenes if she wasn't happy with them and then would hide them under her bed. That led to her writing love stories of I her own. I love that. Is that not the cutest that is thing the ever? the cutest thing. They all ended up under her bed and are still there where she says they will stay. Living in Victoria, Australia, Leah is a mom of three beautiful girls, Gigi to her adorable grandchildren, and she has what some say is a weird sense of humor. She spends her free time watching movies, having Sons of Anarchy and Friends marathons, and of course, reading. She doesn't do angst. In fact, it drives her crazy. She loves pina coladas and getting caught in the rain. There's that weird humor again. (laughs) That's so cute. All right. Well, make sure you check her out. And then um, this week, she's actually hosting her own giveaway on her Instagram and Facebook. So if you want to enter to win a signed paperback, just go check out her Instagram and her Facebook page during February 6th until the 12th. So that's all you have to do is follow. And then on Facebook, just leave a screenshot of the follow. So that's it. I guess we'll let you guys hear this one. We'll play the first installment. We'll see you on the other side. This is His Sweetness, The Honeymoon, by Leah Shirell. Read for you by Andrew Rennie. Dedication For Steve, and to Bob Seeger, who once again helped inspire another deck story. Chapter 1 Deck I ran my knuckles down the soft cheek of my sleeping wife, and I couldn't stop the rush of emotions that rolled through me. Wife. Charlie was my wife now, pregnant with my kid, and those reasons made her 100% mine. She fell asleep before we even got out of Ballarat, on our way to our honeymoon destination. Had it not been so bloody important to me to experience every aspect of married life with Charlie, I would have suggested we put off our romantic getaway until after we catch the arsehole who had a vendetta against my club and went after our women. My beautiful baby girl, Shiloh, was included in Rogue's twisted targeting. My daughter had already been in the firing line already. Honestly, I should be at the compound right now and doing my job as the SAA of the Wounded Souls. Shit was planning on going down hours from now. And I wouldn't be there, so Mia had an extra set of eyes on her while she walked into possibly real danger to help the club she was a part of. Mia was my VP's woman, and as of a few hours ago, his fiancée. But she was more than that. Long before Steele pulled his head out of his ass, he used to hook up with Callie, Mia's sister, and the other half of the evil bitch squad, the other being Tori, a soul's dancer. Mia had always been considered family. She was held in far greater regard than the plastic blonde who was once Steele's plaything. As fucked up as it sounded to an outsider, Steele's relationship with the sisters wasn't as bad as it sounded. If Steele had not been so bloody stubborn to ignore his real feelings for the right sister, Mia might have escaped Rogue's evil attack on her and her unborn child. 
just thinking about something happening to Steele and Mia's baby had my hand slipping from Charlie's face down to rest on the slight swell of her tummy. I was man enough to admit Charlie's pregnancy was doing my head in. The constant state of worry and fear that something was going to happen to either her or the baby kept me awake at night. I'd spent the first half of my nights exhausting my sweetness with passionate, mind-blowing lovemaking. Then the rest was spent laying with Charlie in my arms. Her lost in blissful sleep while I listened to her breathing with my hand securely cupping our child. We were yet to reach the end of the first trimester, and already I was losing my mind. Dealing with Charlie's cravings and unbridled sex drive was easy and a fucking pleasure. Dealing with listening to her talk about birth plans and actually delivering the baby was where I was having trouble. Shiloh's birth mother died, bringing my girl into the world. Zoe had been a great friend and part-time bed partner, and losing her had been a horrible shock. Being left alone with a brand new baby and no mother was not the best situation, but with the help from my brothers, I got through the newborn and toddler stage relatively unscathed. Same for Shiloh. The point was, I handled it. I was never in love with Zoe. We were never exclusive. Our arrangement had been mutually beneficial and either of us were able to back out at any time, which I did, only to come to find out that Zoe met and fell in love with my own brother, not knowing she was pregnant with my child until it was too late. She and Jason wanted to be together and my twin was more than happy to step into stepdaddy mode. It hadn't been without its challenges, but for the entire pregnancy, Jason and I called an unsteady truce on our bickering and the war we had going since birth. Of course, Zoe dying and me getting the baby, our feud was well and truly back on. I wasn't without empathy for my blood brother. Shiloh was supposed to go home with him and Zoe. They were supposed to start a life of parenting together, with me being the dad on the weekends and my blood brother sharing the role when I wasn't around. Things between me and Jason had improved enough since Shiloh's birth that we were able to be in the same room without hurling insults at each other. But we had a long ways to go before I could speak to him without grunting. Now, with Charlie carrying my baby, fighting and arguing with my brother didn't hold the appeal it once did. Now, all I had on my mind was Charlie living through the delivery. Images of Zoe's lifeless body laying on the bed in the delivery room plagued me whenever I closed my eyes. Only it wasn't Zoe's pale grey face haunting me in my dreams. If anything happened to my sweetness, the very thought was fucking with me, and worse, my wife was onto me. Since falling pregnant, Charlie had become more weepy and sensitive. On the other hand, she had also developed a growl that was a little concerning and scary. Charlie's tears were like slashes to my heart. Her hormonal temper tantrums were nothing less than terrifying. Shiloh and I figured out an escape route signal whenever Charlie flashed her inner monster at us. In the words of my darling baby girl, run like buggery, daddy. And I did unashamedly every time Charlie turned her glittering green eyes on me when my overbearing, controlling ways annoyed her, which was more often than not lately. I couldn't help it. Five days before the wedding, I woke up with my sweetness tucked under me and felt the swell of her tummy was more obviously pushed into me. I'd scurried to my knees to see the evidence with my own eyes. 
and fuck me dead, there it was. My child forming in her belly, now big enough to see the gentle swell telling me that without a doubt, my seed was growing inside my woman. From the second my large hands cupped the gentle mound of my unborn baby, my life took a dueling turn, one where I was out of my mind with worry and overtaken with wondrous rapture. Charlie's bump fascinated me. I loved to hold her from behind. My hands splayed over the entire baby bump. I slept that way, stood behind Charlie, holding her while drinking my morning coffee, sat her on my knee and worked on plans and quotes with one hand, cradling my baby. I missed that when Zoe was pregnant with Shiloh, because Zoe had not been mine. I worried about her, but it was Jason who had the most fear during those months because she was his life, his reason for breathing. While I cared a great deal for Zoe, it was my baby she was carrying that kept my mind occupied. My baby that I loved. On the flip side of the coin, that was where I was getting my terror from. While I was into the pregnancy, well, most of it, it was the delivery that filled me with dread and foreboding. Charlie was a ballet dancer, sexy as fuck and delicate. While she was tall, it just made her look more fragile. Slim build and slim hips, my woman was not built for childbirth. Of course, I stupidly shared this information with my then soon-to-be wife and copped not only a creative non-cursing rant. I also had to deal with Charlie sobbing uncontrollably in Darth's arms, the big man throwing me evil looks while listening and grunting appropriate sounds during my woman's ear-bashing about me. The prick got me in the ring the next day and beat the crap out of me for making him deal with a crying woman. He reminded me that Shiloh's tears were unacceptable and I should have known it went for Charlie's as well. I got some payback when Charlie came into our room later that morning and she saw the bruises on my face. Darth found out just how not to deal with a pregnant woman himself when she lectured him for a half hour. Shiloh topped the cake by giving Darth a time out stating, rather miffed, that princesses can't marry anyone who gets beaten up. After my shock wore off that my beautiful raven-haired daughter insulted me in front of the whole club, making me feel like a dickless twat, I gave up on telling Charlie any more truths about my concerns and promised to ease up. Like that was ever going to happen. I remembered a particular conversation with my brother when he excitedly told me he felt Shiloh moving for the first time. He said it really hammered home the realisation there was a living human being inside his wife. I, for one, did not need any more realisations. It was well and truly hammered in and received. My woman was having my baby, and there was a real chance I might lose her. I survived it once, but not again. I wouldn't survive losing Charlie. I just wouldn't. Easing off the accelerator... I slowed down coming to the end of the narrow road and turned into the drive at the end. My only task for the wedding was to organise the honeymoon. Well, my only task other than driving Charlie and her flock around to get shit for the ceremony and reception. After months of planning, dresses and bullshit, I wanted to take off from the world and focus only on my woman, but still be close enough to get back to the compound if Shiloh or my brothers needed me. Going online... I found a secluded one-bedroom cottage only 40 minutes from Ballarat, perfectly set in the bush, far enough away from the small country town, 
You couldn't hear traffic noise or see any lights for kilometres. But close enough have Charlie got one of her weird food cravings. I learned a week after finding out my seed was inside her just how fast to bolt to the shops when a craving grabbed hold of her. The private bed and breakfast ticked all the boxes, the most important one being my wife can be naked all week. Seven days of Charlie moaning my name, her thighs quaking around my ears as I eat her honey sweet pussy. 168 hours alone with my wife. Fuck yeah! Welcome back. Hey guys, thanks for coming here and being with us on today's episode. Um, we're going to be back on Thursday with the second half. So everything we it. talked about will be in the show notes for you guys. So yep. tell them what to do. There you go. <laughs> Fuck your day up. Make sure your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind and read. 